Grace and peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, the friend of sinners, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're looking at this section from from Luke chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. We've been doing this series called Hard Truth, where, where Jesus has warned us to be ready for rejection, to prioritize him, to put him first in our life. He's warned us about how we view our time, our things, and our money. But now, tonight, it just doesn't seem like a very hard truth. Uh, It's all about the grace and love of a God who comes and he seeks out the lost. It's about partying and rejoicing when sinners repent and people are brought back to faith. There's, There's nothing challenging about this. Jesus is our good shepherd. He doesn't use any complicated language. I don't think he says anything shocking about who we should hate or something like we had to look at last week. But maybe he does. It was certainly a hard truth for the first people that he was speaking this parable to, his original audience. Well, let's just dig into these first two verses. It begins by saying, Now the tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathering around to hear Jesus. The truths weren't too hard for them. They wanted to be able to hear what he had to say. Verse 2, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So already right here we have uh, two different audiences who are listening to Jesus. First we'll look at the second group, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They're muttering, they're looking at Jesus and they're They're so upset with with this this hard truth he seems to be teaching with his actions that he's loving and accepting these people, the the traitors to the Jewish religion, the outcasts, the people who were not welcome inside of the temple, the open and obvious sinners. And they don't like that he's hanging out with these people. Now, these are supposed to be the shepherds of God's people. These are supposed to be the spiritual leaders, but they had written off some of these people, as not, not worth reaching out to anymore. And really, that's consistent with some of the teachings of the Pharisees. There's, there's a biblical commentary on the Gospels. It's pretty old now, but it's written by a Christian who also has a Jewish heritage and has these interesting insights, and he points out that at that time, there were rabbinical teachings and teachings that the Pharisees taught, and one of them goes like this. There is joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the world. Did you catch that? This is one of the things that the Pharisees taught. There is joy before God when those who provoke him perish from the world. And now Jesus starts his teaching. Might be a little bit hard compared to that. That there's great rejoicing when the lost have found. It's a surprise for them to hear. So he's confronting these sinful attitudes and calling them to repentance, and he does it with a series of stories. There's three of them. We're going to look at the first two in Luke chapter 15. He just starts by saying, hey, if, if you're a shepherd and you have a sheep, even if you're a relatively wealthy shepherd, you have a hundred sheep, that's, that's still one of your assets. If it's missing, You're going to leave the other sheep there, and you're going to go find it. You're going to bring it back. You're not just going to write it off as a loss. And when you bring it back, you're going to put it on your shoulders, and you're going to come back rejoicing. There is is joy here. 
And, and then he goes on to just give another practical example. Like, your, your, your aunt would go looking for a coin if she lost one. One-tenth of everything she has, um, less, less value, but, but a higher ratio of, of possessions. And she's going to go, and she's going to look, and she's going to find it. And she's probably in a house with, with no windows built in. It's dark, it's dusty, a dirt floor. And she's going to search and light a lamp, and she's going to look for it and, until she finds it. When she finds it, there's going to be this response of rejoicing. It's important to her. But they thought, with their sinful attitudes, lost souls that could end up in hell eternally, not my problem. They deserve it. It's their responsibility to turn their life around and get back to church. In fact, I'll rejoice in their judgment. And that attitude needs to change for their hearts to be in line with God's heart, doesn't it? How would they respond to these teachings from Jesus, to these parables? The next one's going to include the parable of the lost son. Would they join in rejoicing that the lost were being found? Would, like the older brother in the next parable, would they remain outside of the party, outside of the celebration, bitter about the lost son who was returned? Bitter about the father's forgiveness and his love? Would this truth be so hard for them that they would go seeking out the shepherd so that they could murder him because of teachings like these? And we know one of those things happens. God's forgiving undeserved grace for sinners was a hard truth for these spiritual leaders. Maybe some of them heard him calling out to them to change and, and repent and, and have heaven rejoice over them too, but the section of God's word doesn't tell us. But there's another group there, too, the tax collectors and sinners. They're gathering around Jesus because they want to hear him. They know that he's speaking hard truths. Jesus isn't just saying, your life as it is now is just fine. Come on over. He's being straight with them. He's telling them hard things, and they're repenting. They're changing their way of life to get in line with God's way of life because Jesus wasn't afraid to come and tell them what God's word said, and he wasn't afraid to do it with love and kindness to the extent that outsiders said, wow, he accepts them. He's friends with them to be called the friend of sinners, loved by him. So when I first studying, study, started studying this text, I, I just I wondered if it could fit into this series of hard truth. I mean, it hits the Pharisees hard. But you know what? I think it can be hard for us too. One of the things Jesus gets at in these parables when he starts talking about the shepherd, the, the good shepherd, going out and reaching the lost, is that the shepherd leaves the 99 behind for a time because he prioritizes the sheep that aren't there for a time to go and bring them back. And that's beautiful. In theory, until it affects me, until prioritizing the loss might mean having to give up something for the found. At St. Paul's, in some way, if you've been around for a while, you already have a taste of, what's that, of what that's like. We've been short a pastor here for a long time. So uh, lots, lots, of, lots of ministry events going on, a big church, and, and not enough staff members and called workers to do everything means that not everything 
gets to happen. Um, it, it means that good things like midweek Bible studies and, and cards and the word on Thursdays, just some, some of them aren't happening or not by one of the called pastors here anymore. Um, prioritizing things for, for St. Paul's. Over these years, we've prioritized things like campus ministry for college students. One pastor here, and he's spending a bunch of time on campus ministry, which means there's just not as much time to spend on some of the other ministries. And when we don't have the staffing in place, it means that some of the core congregational, educational, and personal ministry doesn't happen. And that can be hard, especially when it affects you. We have Jesus calling his people by his example of being the good shepherd to prioritize the lost. And sadly, we haven't always done a great job of that as a congregation either, and, and personally too. Seeking the lost and the straying, it's tough work. Think about the woman who lost the coin. What does she do? She lights a lamp sweeps the house and searches carefully because it's not, it's not obvious where the lost coin is. It's a lot of activity. The shepherd had to physically get out of the, 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 the sheep pen, had to get out of the office and go and search for the lost sheep and, and search until he found it. And sometimes that's not easy to do with people either. How many people do we have on our membership list right now that we don't know what their physical address is? How do, we, how do we find and encourage and reach out? Sometimes it's just easier not to do it. Here's another challenge. Sometimes you find the sheep, and they don't want to be found. Sometimes, sometimes that happens, too. Um, they don't always react like the tax collectors and sinners did in, in, in repentance and thank you for reaching out to me and, and why does that happen? Well, sometimes it comes back to our sinfulness again when we reach out to them with, with a pharisaical, uh, judgmental, upset, guilt-ridden attitude that says, why haven't you been around here anymore? And that just makes people turn around and run and say, well, that's why. But not always, right? Sometimes it's because people don't want to be part of God's church and hear his word, and maybe stubbornly because they've found their own lifestyle, their own thing that doesn't include God's word, or it's against God's word, and they don't want to change themselves. So they're not coming back. Or, or maybe it's just that they've nibbled into other pastures until slowly they're lost, and they've found other communities in other ways. Now, now what, is, what does a loving congregation do? Well, sometimes things that are hard, right? Um, maybe for the person that has nibbled away and started straying to other places, maybe they've found another congregation or another church, and then maybe it's just time for an honest release of membership. Your spiritual needs are being fed by, by another pastor, another shepherd, and another congregation. So that happens. That, that's a bummer, but we, we um, are glad that a, a Christian church is serving a person. And sometimes it's, it's caught in a sin. And it's, I don't want to change, and I don't care what you have to say about it. And then the hard truth is, like we saw in 2 Corinthians, that things like church discipline and excommunication are hard truths that are 
love him. To do to people, to say, I care about your soul so much that it looks like right now you're on a path to life without Jesus, to, to death that never ends, to hell. And we're going to let you know that. And the goal with that is a hard truth that can be loving, just like it was in 2 Corinthians, where the person heard this, this stern reaction from their church. Uh, spoken in love from Christ himself through his people, and that person repented. And how does Paul say to react then? Not to just sit there and continue saying, no, cry more tears, but receive him with forgiveness and with love and, and restore him completely. That's what forgiveness is, because the angels in heaven are going to rejoice about it, and Jesus is rejoicing about it, and God the Father is going to rejoice about it, and congregation come back together in joy. It's hard sometimes, but the goal is, is loving. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner than re that repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Seeking the lost is hard, but it's worth it. Prioritizing the lost was worth it to Jesus, one by one, Jesus still today is calling his people back through word and sacrament. Even faithful people coming together and gathering in church, starting out with the confession and the absolution where we hear that our sins are forgiven. He's rejoicing over us. Today we see just how much Jesus cares about just one. Just one soul. One dearly loved child of God. And remember, it's not the perfect sheep. Not the perfectly obedient sheep that he runs after, but the, the straying sheep, the rebellious sheep, the disobedient sheep, the, the, one, the one that slowly made their way into lostness. And if he cares that much about, about just one, how does he feel about you? How? Oh, this is the shepherd who, who loves you enough to speak to you through his word and seek you through his word. He loves you enough to lift you up onto his shoulders and carry you home rejoicing. Loves you enough to not just lift you up, but to lift up all of your sins, every single one of them, and carry them to the cross, where the good shepherd became the lamb of sacrifice, so that sins could be punished once and for all there, instead of on us. Every time we strayed, every time we ran away, every time we looked down on others, every time we felt smug about how great we were and how lucky God is to have us on his team, took all of those sins every time we avoided seeking the strain to the cross and was punished for them. We are sought out and found. We are safe and sound. And now Jesus calls us to join him in searching for the lost. And we can do this together. Jesus is with us as we go with his word. He makes that promise. Surely I will be with you always until the very end of the age. So what are some ways that we can follow Jesus' example and go with him to reach the strain? Outreach to the non-Christian or, or the pre-Christian, hopefully someday, or the straying is the job of the called workers and of the congregation. We both work together on this. I read through this text and started studying it on, oh, I wrote in my manuscript Monday, but it was probably Tuesday since Labor Day. I wasn't doing very much. Started looking through this, and it just nailed me. 
That's what Jesus cares about, and he's talking to me. And I haven't been doing that. I think I've got lots of good reasons for not making regular calls on our, on our people who aren't always here. I mean, if you look at the September schedule, it's bonkers. It's crazy. We've got so much stuff going on, but God's word told me just I have to do something this week. So I, I, I called about 20 families just to check in and see how people were going. And you know what? That's not real hard to do, especially when there are so many things going on. You can just call and you say, hey, how's it going? Have you signed up for the church directory photos yet? Did you hear about the Sunday school coming back this, this Sunday? You and the, the kids Bible study Sunday schools. There's, there's a mission fest on on next Sunday, we're having a world missionary come and tell us about what's going on and an outdoor worship service. And next Friday, a block party. Come and have some food with us. Just little ways to be able to check in and then have the opportunity to see how people are doing. Got to have longer conversations, some in person and some over the phone with people that I just haven't seen in a while. I get to check in and see where they're at and encourage them and see, see what we need to do for that next step. Sent about 150 texts, personalized texts to college students, inviting them to come to the Beacon Campus Ministry and then to church. I don't know, that was two hours of texting. Maybe that was a waste of time. Um, but there was at least one person who texted me back and said, hey, Pastor, you said in the beginning of the year we could meet up and talk, right? Can we do that? Yeah, just one. Um, seeking the lost takes a lot of staff time that we're short on, yes, the vacancy. Even when it's filled, I'm concerned we don't have enough staff to accomplish all the ministry that we have on our plate between St. Paul's and our educational ministries that we support. I remember when we were uh, talking about expanding the two pastors in Iowa where I served last, they were doing a multi-site in two different cities. And people asked, why do we need two pastors for that? Aren't there lots of congregations that have one pastor serving two congregations. We usually call them dual parishes, something like that. And the mission counselor at that time said, yeah, that's possible, but usually those congregations are, are doing maintenance ministry. They're doing church and Bible study, and there's not enough time for that pastor to do a lot of outreach and Bible 101, Bible information class, and, and be able to really grow a church and seek the lost. And, and right now we're at the, we're at the point of, of maintenance and Praying that God blesses us with more people so that we can do, do more gospel-focused ministry. And have staff who can then train and work with the members to, to also increase and multiply ministry. Because really, if you think of some of those calls I made this week, hey, have you heard about the church directory? That's not something a pastor can only do, right? So we may be thinking, well, how can I be involved in Jesus' mission to including reaching for the straying? And there's simple ways to start. Like this week at St. Paul's, there were four or five people that were just calling through our church directory and inviting people to sign up for, um, for the new photo directory and just checking in and seeing how they were doing. That's easy stuff. Um, there's our new discipleship group meeting under our elders who's just going to make it a regular habit to a handful of times a year. Just call everybody and tell them what's going on and be able to have a little touch point and see how are things going? How can we serve you better? And then when there's some tougher stuff, call in um, the elders or the pastor or staff minister to come in and be able to be part of that conversation. 
uh, on a really personal level, as, as you hear what Jesus is saying through the seeking the lost, you might just ask yourself, who are your friends and your family members that you could describe as, as straying, who haven't been in contact with the word and sacraments for a while? And you might just ask yourself, how, how can I encourage them? And there's a lot of easy things to invite people to. It can start out with a, a block party with live music. Hey, there's this band playing on Friday in the church lawn. Want to come and eat walking tacos with us? And then oh, 10.30 service, they're playing outside again. Would you like to come back for that? It's easy. And when it gets tricky, there's, there's church leadership and there's pastors that can come help out in those ways. too. When we see how Jesus prioritizes the lost and the strain. When we join Jesus on his mission of seeking and rescuing the lost, when you get just a taste of heaven's joy when people repent and return, I think we do start to realize that this isn't such a hard truth. The lost are found. Amen.